You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome into another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. No mailbag this weekend because free agency has remained frenetic. And we have a lot to catch you up on. I'm Jake Lisko along with James Rupine here. If you're new to the Locked On Bengals podcast, make sure you subscribe. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're there. And we're there for you at least five times a week. This week it's been a whole lot more than that. James, let's get started with the Kenny Galladay conversation. Bengals Twitter in a tizzy. Uh, a Twitter tizzy <laughs> on Kenny Galladay, the, the Galladay hashtag taking off all the while Riley Reef visiting the Bengals on Thursday. We'll get there in a few minutes. Let's start with the Galladay update, though. He is in New York. He's visiting with the Giants on Thursday. He's going to take dinner with them. Apparently on Thursday evening, he's meeting with Gettleman and Joe Judge and the rest of those coaches. The Chicago Bears apparently were involved. They talked to Kenny Galladay before today, according to reports. But still, the, the Bengals' chances hinge on Galladay betting on himself, right? They, they hinge on there's not a great market for wide receivers right now. The salary cap is depressed. We know there's this massive TV deal that just got agreed to today that's going to send over $300 million a year to every single team in the NFL when it kicks in in 2023. So if you're Kenny Galladay, you're coming off a down year, do you want to take a contract now? Or do you want to wait for some of that TV money to be part of the contract consideration? And that's where the Bengals have their advantage. If Kenny Galladay pulls a Will Fuller, which I thought it was really interesting, Diana Rossini, who originally reported that the Bengals gave Kenny Galladay a one-year offer, talked about this and said that a lot of wide receivers are interested in one-year deals because of the situation, because of the market, because of the the TV contract and the salary cap potentially going up next year and getting back to normal. And so that's the part of this, if you're Kenny Galladay, you have to weigh. Do you want to lock in, you're 27 years old, do you want to lock into a long-term deal that isn't nearly as fruitful? Or... Do you want to sign a 14, 15, $16 million deal with the Bengals one year and potentially test free agency next offseason when you could have played 14 games and reestablish your Pro Bowl level self? And, and so I think that the Bengals, there, there's a good case there. And, and the reason I say the Bengals have the edge in the one year department, when you look at the Chicago Bears, as we record this, 620 Eastern on Thursday, they're still in the red. And the New York Giants have 5.8 million in cap space, but they just signed Kyle Rudolph. So let's just say it takes a million or two in cap off of that. It's going to be hard for either of these teams to offer a lucrative 14, 15, $16 million one year contract to Kenny Galladay. That's why they're probably going to go the multi-year route, try to get a bargain. I don't blame them, but if I'm Galladay, I look at the Bengals, they're going to pass a ton. We know what, what they do. We know this offense and regardless of how you feel about Joe Burrow versus Daniel Jones versus Andy Dalton, the three quarterbacks we're talking about here, they're obviously going to throw it most in Cincinnati. So if you're taking a one-year deal, I think the Bengals are clearly the best choice. But maybe he does want the security because he did 
get injured and dinged up last year. So I do think it's interesting visiting with the Bears on Wednesday. Then you visit with the Giants on Thursday. Maybe he's just trying to convince himself that this is the way to go. And and maybe it's not. Maybe it is a one-year deal, which is hard to do, right? It would be hard to swallow your pride and take a one-year deal. But maybe that's what he ends up doing. And if so, I think the Bengals would be the favorite in that scenario. Although right now, given everything we know, it does feel like New York is probably the leader, if I had to guess, a favorite in the clubhouse to land Galladay. I mean, quite a bit of smoke has been connecting Kenny Galladay to the New York Giants for well over two days now, at least two days at this point, and to the point where yesterday reports were that there was mutual interest, that they were trying to work it out, that they were trying to find a solution. And and I think that the Bengals might be something of a backup option if New York can't figure out the money and they just can't come up with a contract that's satisfactory to Kenny Galladay. The, the other side of it is that I think Ian Rappaport might have talked about today is, or, or maybe it's somebody else, but somebody was talking about New York is also doing their homework on Galladay. He was injured. He didn't finish the season with the Lions. There's the whole Matt Patricia thing, the the Patriot way that a lot of players in Detroit didn't like. Joe Judge, a Patriot way coach. There's that whole element and that whole side of this that's a mystery. But I think for Galladay, he's just going to make the decision that that is the best for himself in the long term. So like you said, James, I agree. If, if the Bears or Giants can come up with a contract structure that pays Kenny Galladay, say, you know, $50 million or $45 million over three years with good guarantees, I think that he probably says that's probably pretty good. If they can't get there, and, and the offer is closer to $40 million, then maybe Galladay says, you know what, I'll take the one year and I'll bring in some bank the following year. Let me ask you this, and it's not something we've really explored much, but let's just ask it. Why not, if you're the Bengals, go the multi-year route? Is there a reason why you wouldn't want to do it? Right now, Tyler Boyd, certainly a reasonable contract. T. Higgins, rookie deal. Do they, or should they at least, consider going that route? I think they should. Absolutely. I, I think that they absolutely should, but I, I don't know that they are necessarily interested in that. Right? I think that the the one-year thing probably appeals to them much the same way as it appeals to Galladay. It, it allows him to reestablish his value. It allows them to potentially get some value. The downside to one-year deals is, is the reduced cap flexibility. So if they do go out and they get Galladay on the one-year deal, Let's say it's a using Will Fuller as a model here, a little bit more bottom line with some incentives. So Fuller got like 10 million with a lot of incentives that can take that higher. Let's say Galladay is 12 million with a lot of incentives to get it up to 16 million or something like that. That that 12 million dollars hits the cap in year one, and and there's no way to really finagle it. The Bengals aren't going to do void years, and that does limit their their flexibility a little bit. On the other hand, I think they're coming up relatively close to what I think is going to be the ceiling of the amount of cash they spend. So if they bring in Riley Reef and they bring in Kenny Galladay, even if it is a multi-year deal, I think they're getting close to that cash ceiling, knowing what they're going to have to pay out to rookies as well. So a lot of different ways this can go. I, I think that I probably agree with you based on the reporting that we've seen that the Giants are in the driver's seat here. They are, again, rumored that there's mutual interest there. But I, I don't think it's like a negligible chance that the Bengals are in this thing. I think there's a, a real chance 
that Kenny Galladay comes back to Cincinnati for that one-year deal. And I hope he does. It would be so much fun to cover him. We we threw out, and if you're not following at Locked on Bengals on Twitter, you need to because uh, we threw it out there. We're going to send him a whole box of built bars if he comes to the natty and we get to uh you know talk about kenny galladay so it, i think it's worth it alone for the built bars jake but you know we'll see what happens here i do think that it is very beneficial from a pr standpoint after the first couple of days that we are talking about riley reef we're talking about kenny galladay we're talking about offense and yeah they sprinkled in the larry ogan joby deal which makes some sense and we'll get to that but Riley Reef in Cincinnati on Thursday visiting at Paul Brown Stadium. Jake and I will discuss that next. March Madness is here, and Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, including college hoops. Tis the season. I get it. You're wrapped up in free agency talk. Take a second on your phone. Go to betonline.ag. Get in on the action right now. Don't just do those brackets. Win big time. With Bet Online, you get real updated odds, props on almost anything you can imagine. They got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So go there right now, betonline.ag. Use promo code Locked On. You're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's simple. You can do it from your laptop, your PC, your phone. Just go to betonline.ag. Promo code Locked On. You're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Former Minnesota Vikings and Detroit Lions offensive tackle Riley Reef is visiting the Bengals. Before we talk about that visit, we talked about it a little bit last night on the bonus episode of the podcast as well. That's right. We do bonus episodes whenever there's something to talk about here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Just want to quickly revisit the deal we mentioned earlier for Will Fuller going to Miami. Some people actually got a DM, James right away when that deal was announced he says there goes Sewell and I'm like what are you talking about he says the Dolphins signed Fuller that means this, that they're picking Sewell at three <laughs> and there's a couple of things wrong with that one I think the Dolphins are trading out of three two even if they don't trade out of three Fuller has a game left on his PED suspension he's been dealing with injuries since he came into the NFL and it's a one-year deal there's nothing about this contract that is preventing the Miami Dolphins from picking a wide receiver if they love a wide receiver at number three. It would complement the group they have, and that guy would be able to play alongside their number one, number two receiver. Like if they picked Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith at three, he's going to play as a rookie a lot. So I think that it might slightly, ever so slightly, increase the odds they go offensive line at three and pick Penny Sewell, but I think there's a strong chance that the Dolphins are still going to consider wide receiver there and a strong chance that the Dolphins are still looking at trading back. There's no doubt about it. Th this idea that now they're just locked in on Sewell, I, I would be shocked if that's the case. Will Fuller, think about him. Like if the Bengals signed him right now, we'd be talking about durability, the suspension, all of those things. And, and so there would be a lot of a lot of ifs and question marks. Well, you have a young quarterback in Tua Tungavailoa. Let's just assume... For better or worse, that's who the, the Dolphins are going to roll with. Of course, they're going to be willing to, to look at Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase today might be a better player than Will Fuller today. And I think some NFL teams would view him that way. So are you going to pass on Chase just because Fuller is, is there for a year? I don't think so. So to me, it doesn't really impact it much. And 
in the Bengals case, just because naturally I think people when they hear us talk about Fuller, let's say they sign Kenny Galladay to a one-year deal. The reason I think it might impact it more with the fifth pick, and obviously we don't know what else the Bengals will have done in free agency. Maybe they land Reef. Maybe they land some other offensive linemen. But the, the difference is you have a T. Higgins in Cincinnati, a guy you drafted in the second round, a guy you feel like is a big part of your future. You have a Tyler Boyd. I look at that Dolphins wide receiver core, and to me, I don't know if there are any long-term pieces there. Mike Gusecki at, at tight end, yes. Outside of that, I, I'm, I'm truly not sure. So it, it, it affects it in different ways. And in that being said, I'm also not willing, if they do sign Kenny Galladay, to completely roll out a wide receiver because it is a one-year deal. And I think that's foolish if you feel like this person is worthy of the fifth pick and obviously the best player available and he helps your young quarterback, then you do it. So I don't think Sewell's out of the question by any stretch after this Fuller deal. And uh, I, I just, be, because it's a one-year deal and you, you can't do that. You can't base things on one year, especially when you're talking about a top five draft pick. Yeah, I mean, it's as you said, James, the same exact logic I would apply to the Bengals. Even if Galladay comes to town, even if they sign Riley Reef, who we should talk about now, I guess, I don't rule out an offensive lineman. I don't rule out a wide receiver at number five. Maybe if they sign Reef and they sign Galladay, it lets you go Kyle Pitts and, and you feel better mm -hmm. about it. Maybe maybe it lets you go Jamar Chase anyway. Maybe you still go the Penny Silver. I, I think those are all equal options. They could still trade back out of that pick. It just opens things up. And as we've talked about, that's a great idea to do in free agency. So let's talk Riley Reef in Cincinnati. It's reported talking to the Bengals last night, James, I was browsing PFF. I was looking at PFS numbers on reef and they already had him as a Cincinnati Bengal. I, I saw one account this far from verified. I wouldn't treat this as news at all, but it said that the Bengals will sign Riley reef. And, and again, I don't consider that to be remotely verifiable news but I did look back at some of the things that that account had posted in the last couple hours, the last day or so, and pretty much everything that they had posted was, was something that actually happened. Now, maybe they went back and deleted all of the things that, that didn't actually happen, but there's some breadcrumbs. I don't know if they mean anything. I just thought it would be fun to throw it out there because Bengals Twitter is having fun today. You know, they got the, the Galladay hashtag going. I don't know if I started it or not. I, I asked people for... Bengals related puns for Riley Reef, and we got Great Barrier Reef. He's a he's an <laughs> offensive tackle. You know he's going to be a barrier between defensive players and Joe Burrow. So I think that's trending at a much much smaller level, like maybe thirty seventh on the list instead of third or whatever Galladay got up to. Galladay is amazing, but yeah, right. Uh, reef, Great Barrier Reef, that's great too, and I can just picture it. Maybe one of the preseason games. I don't think this is game one at Paul Brown Stadium because that's going to be all about Joe Burrow's return. And heck, even the preseason is going to be right. But in the stadium uh, where the the fans always put the sign, a great barrier reef sign, I, I think we could get on on board with that, Jake. That'd be pretty fun. Maybe we'll have to get get our guy Dalton's signature uh, to put something together with that if, if he does sign because that would be cool to see. That'd be a fun little welcome into town for Riley Reef, but I feel like, you know, the first home game is going to be a welcome back, Joe. You're, you're going to get a sign for Joe Burrow when he's healthy and back on the field. But it would be fun if they get some sort of appreciation. I hope that nickname takes off. I hope he's a really good pass blocker. He's been a pretty good pass blocker throughout his career. 
and that nickname sticks in Cincinnati. That'd be kind of fun. And and yesterday before we started recording, we were just talking about how not everybody needs a nickname, but Great Barrier Reef for an offensive lineman named Reef. I mean, that's like that's an easy perfect fit, right? It is perfect. It's a perfect fit. Hopefully they can get it done. And by the way, let's just speculate a little bit about his meeting with the Bengals. Do you think it's as simple as, all right, where am I going to start? <laughs> where am I going to play? If you end up with Sewell at five, do you want me to move to the right side? I assume that's what this is because free agent visits right now are sort of rare. It's weird that Galladay is, is in New York and in East Rutherford and meeting with the Giants and he met with the Bears. And that, that that's a little weird to me, uh, just in the, the climate, it used to be normal. But I assume that's what Reef is talking about. And that's what he wants to know. What's my role going to be? Are you really going to try to play me at guard or what, what the, what is the plan big picture wise? Yeah, I'm sure that's part of it. You know, he's talking to Frank Pollock. He's talking to Zach Taylor about what the plan is from a scheme perspective. They're talking about the scheme fit. They're talking about, hey, do you think you can still make these wide zone blocks that we're going to ask you to make? Do you think you can get to the second level on the backside and cut off a linebacker if we ask you to do that and you're playing right tackle? Do you think you can play right tackle? Meanwhile, Katie and Troy Blackburn are up in the front office talking to his agent trying to work out terms of a deal so that, you know, if, if the coach is happy and the player's happy, then the agent and the ownership can be happy. They get the deal done. I assume that's how these sort of free agent visits go. If the agent traveled with the player, I, I don't know who Riley Reef's agent is. I don't know if he's got a bunch of players represented and he's needed elsewhere. For example, it worked out really well for the Giants because Kyle Rudolph, who just signed with the Giants, has the same agent, apparently, as Kenny Galladay. So that agent was able to stay in New York and continue to hammer through those meetings. But neither here nor there. Everybody's hoping that Riley Reef leaves Cincinnati with a deal signed. And that would be a tangible improvement for this offensive line, really no matter where he plays, I think. It's just bringing a skilled player with a good pedigree, good experience, onto this team, and I think that they would be better for it. Let's wrap up the show today, James, by a little bit of a recap. We're a week through the madness at this point. I think we've recorded like 46 podcasts this week. We'll just do a little bit of a recap for the players they've brought in, where they're at from a cap and cash perspective, and some of the players they've retained. And we have the financial details on the Larry Joby deal. James was talking about March Madness a little bit earlier in the podcast. There's also Built Bar Madness going on right now at BuiltBar.com. We're going to send a box to Kenny Galladay when he signs his contract with the Cincinnati Bengals. And we've been telling you about Built Bar for what feels like forever at this point. James Rapine's favorite protein bar when he found out that Built Bar was going to become a sponsor of the podcast. He was stoked, earnestly stoked. And you know why? It's a low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, great-tasting Chocolate covered, real chocolate covered protein bar. There's a matchup today. We've got some caramel matchups going on. We're getting close to the coconut brownie chunk matchup, which I need you all to go vote for because the coconut brownie chunk built bar is literally a candy bar with little brownies in it that happens to be healthy. Go check it out at builtbar.com. See all the matchups, vote for your favorites, and you get 15% off your next order right now when you use promo code Locked 15. Again, that's Locked 15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. 
James, let's wrap up this week's regular edition, I guess. Let's call it the regular episode in case we get a bonus episode later of the Locked On Bengals podcast by talking about some contract details that we got, the the current financial situation for the Bengals, and do a little bit of recapping on some of the players they've brought back since the tampering period started when all this really kicked off. So we got details on Larry Ogunjobi's deal. Comes out to a $6.187 million cap hit. I was expecting it to be maybe $2 million less. This to me looks like an overpay based on our expectations. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's an overpay in the eyes of the league. Maybe this is just what his market was. You compare it to some of the other interior defensive linemen that have signed. It is kind of in the middle of the pack for guys in his tier of player. But you give Larry Ogunjobi a chance. And, and obviously we'll look back at this deal in a year and we'll have a very clear idea as to whether or not he was worth that amount of money. He's, as we discussed, James, got a really high ceiling. He flashes high impact plays where his burst comes together with great technique and he can be very disruptive, but those are inconsistent. And so that's why I think for him, the upside here is, you know, maybe the Bengals find something here in a three tech and, and they put his tools to use and, and he's more consistent. And then this deal looks like a bargain or he just kind of reprises his 2020 season where there's some splashes and a lot of duds and, and you just get what ends up being a slight overpay in the end. And the thing that I would look at is if you're the Bengals, maybe you only had a list of a, a certain amount of three techs on the market that you were comfortable with replacing Geno Atkins with. And I get it's only a one-year deal, but they'll probably draft a defensive tackle. They'll probably bring back one of the other veterans that were on the team, but you needed to address the three tech spot. You look at Ogunjobi, he had to move around a bit last year in Cleveland because of injury issues on that defensive front. So maybe that's part of the reason why he had a down year. So yeah, it, it might be a little bit of an overpay and based on the market it does look like it, but it might also be the reason, not that it should be the reason, but might be the reason why you feel comfortable moving on from Geno Atkins and saving nine and a half million dollars against the cap. So if you do that, then it's worth it. And the idea of Ogunjobi and Reader together, I think is certainly interesting. And maybe you you do land a guy in Ogunjobi, a young guy who plays well, and then you can keep him around long-term and suddenly you have a, a core for the next couple of years of, of Reader and Ogunjobi in the middle of your defensive line. You feel pretty good about that. So it does feel a bit rich. I was thinking it was going to be in the $4 million range. I told you that before we started recording. So six, eh, a little high at the same time. If this is what they needed to do to outbid someone, maybe there was another team at five, right? And if they had to go to six and they do that to one, get Ogunjobi, but then feel comfortable moving on from Geno Atkins, I, I understand it. And we'll see if uh, time will tell really if it's the right decision. I think it's a little bit different from the criticism that we had of the Trey Wayne's deal last year, right? By comparison, there's potentially a lot more money at play with the Trey Wayne's thing. Whereas with Larry Ogunjobi, you know, if it's $2 million, you're, you're not really crying over $2 million. It stands out because I've been quibbling with them over $2 million here, $4 million there, looking at some of the structures of their other deals. But that's just because I'm really hyper-focused on this idea of, a big cash spend this year, knowing that the cap will recover in the future and, and really maximizing this window. One-year deals, generally, there's nothing you can do. 
you know, you're not going to put void years on there if you're the Bengals. They just simply won't do it. I don't think they should do it. I think that that's an extreme step you take when you're in a position like the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you're trying to run it back. You're trying to extend a window. It's really there for extending a window, not creating a window because you don't want that dead money coming back to bite you in the middle of a window. You want that to all kind of hit at the same time when you know you have to blow it up and reset. So the one-year deal does make a little a little bit difficult. And, and I talked about that with Kenny Galladay too, that that would make it difficult to maneuver. You can't do a whole lot from a cap perspective. The one thing you could do, something that they could look at, is throw throw some of the money into... Uh, some some per active game bonuses, some incentives that would be not likely to be earned. Those don't count against the salary cap. And so that does buy them some flexibility in terms of contract structure. I'm sure that's something they've talked about. They've they've actually put it in three or so of the deals that they've done, maybe even four. Chidobe Awuzie certainly has it in his deal. There's $400,000 each year in game day active bonuses. And because he only played in about half of the games last year, that results in a smaller cap hit in year one. So that is something that they could look at for Galladay as well. And let's just talk real quick, James. Let's do a, a wholesome review and we'll talk about where they're at from a money perspective right now. They've brought back Tony Brown. He'll be a depth guy. He'll be a special teamer in the cornerback room. Mike Thomas, another special teamer back into the wide receiver depth chart. Samaje Pirine. Now this one is actually a little bit more interesting, James, because the fact that they're willing to pay Pirine a one and a half million dollar cap hit this year. We'll see if that says anything about Giovanni Bernard. I don't know that it necessarily does, but with Pirine on the roster, that's a little bit more comfortable perhaps for the Bengals to think about if they do have to move on from Gio they bring back uh, Brandon Wilson. He'll be a kick returner, a special teamer. Again, uh, some themes here. All four guys they've brought back, depth, special teamers. The guys they bring in, of course, you know, Trey Hendrickson will replace Carl Lawson as a right defensive end, their primary edge rusher. He is better as a pass rusher than a, than a run defender. And he will take that role with the Bengals. Chidobe Awuzie will replace William Jackson. He'll be an outside starting corner. Mike Hilton will be the starting slot corner, and it looks like Larry Ogan, Joby James will be a starting three tech for the Bengals. But James, before we talk about the Bengals' remaining cash situation, cap situation, Samaje P. Run, I don't necessarily think, like I said, that this has an impact or, or indicates that they're going to move on from Geo, but the Bengals now have four running backs on the team, all of whom played in 2020 under contract for next year. And the Giovanni Bernard cap casualty i mean saving four million bucks against the cap that could be the difference in getting the guard that everybody's looking at that could be the difference between getting a trey turner let's say everything goes right and in a perfect world it will and the bengals get all these guys done you get galladay you get reef you get uh, a guard or an edge that you're looking for but you want the other thing right and you, you need a little extra space well do you want giovanni bernard I get the leadership and I think they will keep him, but man, one, I have said it all along. I'd be interested in trying to move him, trying to trade him, see if there's anything out there and who the hell knows if there would be one year, 4 million bucks, probably not. Right. I think there's a little more, uh, a little more of a cap hit. That's the cap savings on geo. But if you're trading for him, you might have a little bit more of a cap hit to take on, but still consider it. And yeah, now that you have P Ryan locked up, he played well last year. Is is Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan as a one-two 
Is that suitable? Is that enough for you, Jake? I, I feel like it's fine. What do you think? I think it's fine. I mean, you know where I'm at on running backs. That hasn't changed. It's not going to change. I, I think what you lose with Geo is is pass protection, and it really kind of boils down to do, do they trust Samaj P. Ryan as a third down running back? And and if he goes down for injury, do they trust Travion Williams? And for whatever reason, the impression that we've gotten from from the team and from those close to the team is that they don't trust Travion Williams. And that's why you could see Geo potentially sticking with the team. So what can we expect going on from here, James? This is something that I've liked to talk about in each of the episodes we've done this week. I've been keeping track of their cap obligations, of how much cap space they'll have both now and when they eventually get around, I think, to cutting Bobby Hart and Geno Atkins. And I'm also keeping track of their cash spending. Currently, they're actually below $13 million in total cap space. I, I think it might, it might actually be just above 13 million. I might've done something wrong in my math. Now that I think about it after they cut Bobby Hart and Geno Atkins, if those moves do indeed come, they springboard up to about 30 million back to 30 million in cap space. So tons of space still for them to remain active if they want to. And after they do move on from Atkins and Hart, assuming they do, I expect that they'll probably spend at least 17 to 20 million more dollars in year one cash on on free agents, generally speaking, including outside, inside free agents, which is probably a pretty considerable amount of money. They might even go over that if it's for a guy like Galladay, if it's for a guy that's in a higher tier and they do a little bit more of a signing bonus. So quite a bit of money left to spend in my opinion. And then the remaining cash that the Bengals will spend this year will be devoted to rookies. I expect rookies will cost them between 20 and $25 million this year. Looking back at the expense for Miami from a cash perspective, picking at five last year. So a lot of money left to be spent here, James, at least by my estimates and my estimation. And so if you're worried, you're, you're sitting here worried that the Bengals aren't doing anything on Thursday as we record this at 7 p.m. Eastern, there's a reason to hope that the activity will pick back up. Kenny Galladay, come on down. You're the next contestant on signing in Cincinnati, baby. Let's roll. That's We got to speak it into existence, Jake. This is what we're going to do. I'm excited to send Kenny Galladay. He's already strong, right? He's real strong. He's going to be much stronger after he eats a whole box of Bilt Bars. Get them into the clubhouse and they will proliferate throughout Paul Brown Stadium. People will get addicted to this stuff because it's good stuff. We'll be back for any breaking news. Don't worry. We've got you covered every day of the week. If nothing happens, which I find to be a pretty unlikely scenario, the next time you'll hear from us will be Sunday night. So probably not until then, but just in case until then, who day and have a good one.